you want to uh, grab your Bibles and, or whatever you're using there and, and turn to First Peter, which is about seven books from the end, I think, pretty close to the end of your New Testament. Uh, Peter, Peter, John, John, Jude, Revelation, all that sort of stuff down there. First Peter, and we're looking at chapter 1, verses 3 to 9, which happen to be some of my most fav- favourite verses in the whole of God's Word. They are marvellous, marvellous uh, verses. I've actually encouraged some people at certain times to go quietly into a room and read these words out aloud and slowly because some of the sentences are quite long but they are wonderful, wonderful words and Shabu is going to come and speak uh, on these uh, great words this morning. So First Peter chapter 1 verses 3 <coughs> to 9. This is from the ESV version. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, He has caused us to be born again into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled and unfading, kept in heaven for you who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, You have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honour at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not see him, sorry, though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Um, Well, good morning, church. Thanks, John, for that. Um, Excuse me while I put these notes around. Let's begin by praying, hey? Lord Jesus, we want to thank you for the privilege to come and remember that you are risen and that you're Lord. We pray that you'd speak to us through your word. And for those of us who need refreshing this morning, you'd refresh us. For those of us who are seeking if this is true or not, that you will stir our curiosity to find out more. May we walk away this morning knowing you more and what this means for our lives in our everyday living that you've called us to live. We pray this in your name. Amen. Um, so we, we come before uh, this Resur- Resurrection Sunday. Um, and for many of us, uh, Resurrection Sunday can be a few different things that come to mind. For some of us, we're really excited because we're about to, or if you haven't already, um, begin to gorge on Easter eggs and hot cross buns or both. You might be doing both at the same time. It's a good combination, I've heard. For some of us, it's... Not a big deal. It's just another long weekend. Uh, we are excited because tomorrow we don't have to get up and go to work. We can stay home and hang out. Uh, parents are mourning because school holidays have started and they're trying to figure out what they're going to do over the next couple of weeks. Teachers are excited because there's no need to go to school and no kids. But in our culture in Australia, Easter, I think, is becoming almost like the other Christmas celebration. It's Obviously, from a non-Christian perspective, they don't really understand the full impact of what it means to have Easter. Now, if you're someone who doesn't believe in the resurrection, if you're someone who doesn't really believe in this whole Christian thing, you're welcome. 
I'll tell you why. Because of Christianity, you have a long weekend. And if that wasn't around, you wouldn't have a long weekend. So we, 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 you're welcome from, our, from us to you. Now, I've been thinking about this Easter. What does it mean? Now, I went to one of our large supermarkets just around the corner here of the church building. And as you walk in, they have the music playing, all the propaganda to get you to buy things that you don't really need. And one of the things that came up was this. Celebrate this Easter. What's really important? Family. And I thought, oh, that's nice. And good food and great prices. (laughs) I thought, yes, that's what I'm thinking about when I think about Easter. See, um, for those of us who've grown up in the Christian culture, uh, Easter, uh, particularly Resurrection Sunday, can be something that sort of just we breeze through. We sort of think about it. Yes, that's what we celebrate. We just kind of go along with it. But friends, if there was no Resurrection Sunday, there's no point for us to meet on Sunday mornings. If there was no Resurrection Sunday, there's no point of singing those songs that we did. If there was no Resurrection Sunday, there's no point for us to have communion. There's no need for the Christian faith if there is no Resurrection Sunday. It is key to our faith. Now, John just read a passage for us, and it's almost like we're sort of coming to the tail end of a big story. And what is that big story? It is God's story. See, God created this world, and in this world, He placed human beings to be under His loving, authoritative rule. And in this rule that they were called to follow him, they were called to worship him, he would provide all that they needed. But temptation comes in, but the enemy, Satan, who comes in and brings a lie in to ultimately to say to them, hey, listen, you don't need God. You can be your own God. And they disobey a command that God gives. They give in to this lie, which brings in this reality, this poison that's infected every human being, including you and I. But not only that, it introduces this concept called death. And death now pervades everything in life. And since that day, there's no hope, almost. But see, because of God who is in his character, he's described as a God of love, he sends the one that will represent him the best. Because every humankind has tried to represent him, and they can't. So he sends his son, Jesus, the perfect one. This son, Jesus, comes and lives in this world. He lives that perfect life that you and I try, but we can't. And then he does the most wonderful thing to show his ultimate obedience to his father. That's of great importance to him by going to the cross. That's what we celebrate on Good Friday. But because of who he is, because he is God... Because he is the perfect sacrifice, he cries out this wonderful line on the cross as he's hanging up there. He says, it is finished, it's done. And he brings in this beautiful reality. But then no longer death has control. He brings in this truth that physically on the third day, he was literally risen from the dead. And that reality now permeates to every person who proclaims to have their Savior, Jesus, as their Lord. That truth now applies to them and comes into their life. And that's what John read for us before in 1 Peter, starting verse 3, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, 
kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. At one point, life was all about really us. The temptation is still there for us, but in a sense, life was, had no hope. There was no reason. You just existed, but now life has hope. There is meaning to this life. There's true meaning, true hope. And this is a reality that now permeates to anyone who calls themselves a follower of Jesus. Where our life now is no longer about the now, but our life is about beyond the now. This past week I had the privilege to meet with a young adult pastor who, who pastors a church in our area. And I was talking to him about ministry and I was talking to him how he became a follower of Jesus and he was sharing with me his story and how he gave his life to Christ at a very young age. But he was an amazing soccer player to the point that he got some scholarships to go and play across the United States with a college there. He was so good that he was even recruited to go and play in Europe and to eventually um, possibly represent a big club in Europe. But he realized in that moment as he loved this game and loved playing this game, there was this war going on and he realized that war was in his heart. He was realizing as much it is awesome fun to play soccer, he's realizing in his heart there's, there's nothing to it. Because he was captured by Jesus. He was captured by this Savior and in light of that he realized there's something much more to life than playing soccer and getting paid lots of money. Something else had captured his heart. As I listened to him share his story, all I could hear as I've been meditating on this passage, he was a young man who was no living for the hope that he could find in soccer, but his hope was ultimately beyond this world to the hope that is to come. He was going to be finding his hope in Jesus, the resurrected Jesus. Because he was born again. He was born again. That means his life is no longer his. And his hope is in the one that is his saviour, the hope that is to come. Now for those of us, I'm not expecting all of you here believe in this resurrection. I understand that. If you're sceptical about it, great, good. We welcome your scepticism. We welcome your questions. But I would encourage you, I would call out to you to go and check out these facts. Yes, they're facts. And when I mean check out these facts, I'm not talking about listening to some random guy in a YouTube video sitting in his mum's basement, as some people say. We're talking about someone who has the real facts. We would encourage you, we would invite you to grab one of these Bibles, read through it, read the Gospels. They talk about this truth. Because all of this resurrection is not based on innuendos. These are based on facts, eyewitness facts. But our prayer is that as you investigate these truths, that you will realize that whatever you're living in right now, whatever you're hoping for, whatever you're putting your trust in, ultimately will fade away. And Jesus is calling you out. And Jesus is lovingly calling you out to say, hey, I wanted you to put your trust in me. I want you to put your hope in things that are eternal. And when you do, he will spiritually breathe into you his spirit, his spirit who will come and stir you to live for beyond the now. Beyond to what is to come. And friends, uh, for those of us who know Jesus, I think, whether we meet it or not, we always focus on the death of Christ. And we ought to. We ought to remember the death of Christ. 
But sometimes I think we forget, in some sense, about the implications of what it means to have a Savior who's risen. See, on Resurrection Sunday is a wonderful reminder for us that He is risen. But not only that, it's also a reminder to us, for those of us who know Jesus, where is our hope today? Whether intentionally or unintentionally. Are we putting our hope in the things of now? Or are we putting our hope in the things that is to come? Are we putting our hope in careers? Are we putting our hope in our kids? Our hope in the kind of lifestyle that we have of comfort? Are we putting our hope in the security that's around us and maybe it's financial security that we're trying to build up? Are we ultimately putting our hope in our families that we love and that's not a bad thing, but are we even, without realizing, putting our hope in the things of this world, what's in front of us? Oh, friends, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, Resurrection Sunday is a glorious reminder for us for a lot of things. One of the big things is that you were dead in your sin, that you, your Savior, came, chased after you, whether that was in a moment or over a season of life where he said, you're mine, I've died for you. You gave your life in faith. But then he says, you are my son, you are my daughter, you have been born again. And this spiritual reality brings this wonderful truth that no longer is your life about what is in front of you. Your life is about something that is beyond. Because all of us, we don't have a choice in it. All of us will face death one day. But yet, Jesus in his mercy breeds this truth into our deepest hearts and souls. That just as he was raised again, for those of us who know him will be raised. And this truth is truth. It cannot be shaken. It can't be changed. Because we have a hope. A hope beyond the now. Because Jesus is risen. This is why we have this hope. Our bodies will die. Our physical bodies will die. But in reality we know that we will be raised again. And that is a wonderful certain hope for those of us who know Jesus. But not only do we have hope, not only are we given that, we are also given this reality, an inheritance. An inheritance is nothing like what we have in this world. Inheritance that ultimately fade away. Things in this world that will perish. Because of the resurrection of Jesus, we know we have a better inheritance. And not only that, our future is secure for those of us who know Jesus. Because of what Jesus has done. Because Jesus is risen. See, if Jesus was not, had not risen on the third day, we would not have any of these realities. None of this will be true as we read in this passage. Isn't wonderful and marvelous our great King? Isn't he glorious of what he's done? This is the truth of the resurrection. This is why the resurrection is key to the Christian faith. You pull that out, our faith is all over. It's over with, done. Friends, if you don't know Jesus... And maybe you're visiting Cambridge Gardens or maybe you're listening in. You're truly missing out. You're truly missing out. And our prayer is that at this church that you would come to discover that this true inheritance that's available to you. But for those of us who do know Jesus, do you still rejoice in this? This truth of the resurrection or has it something that's become, ah, 
It's just part of you know, what we believe. Is it the power and the might, has it become, have you forgotten it? Or have we lost hope? We look around us, we look in our circumstance and whatever's going on, we've lost hope. Or maybe we put our hope in the things that will ultimately perish. Be reminded this morning of what the resurrection means. Be reminded of what Jesus has done. But not only that, this means if we have this hope, if, we, if this is true, that means Jesus now sends us out as his witnesses to bear witness of this hope that has been given to us. And in light of that, you and I can face life in a world that's dying and decaying. And that also means that just as life, everyday life, all of us will face trials. All of us will face challenges. And in verse 6, it says, In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you've been grieved by various trials, so that the testing genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold, that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. See, if you are a follower of Jesus, the reality is, whether if you're a follower of Jesus or not, all of us face trials. All of us do. But for those of us who know Jesus, you may be even uh, facing a trial right now in your life. These verses are given as verses to comfort for whatever trial and challenge you may be going through. The, the words in this is almost intense. It's the kind of language, the pain that is there when you watch someone giving birth to a child. That's the labor pains. It's painful. It hurts. But the language here is to also say, as you go through that, that's like when gold is put through fire to get all the junk out. It's being refined. And the church that's reading this, or the letter that was written to a particular church or group, these people were most probably in exile. They probably were in persecution. They had emperors after them to kill them. So this is great comfort as they think about this. So you have this idea going on through this letter that we're all reborn again as followers of Jesus. And as that comes true, a hope is something that is to come. And when various kinds of trials and challenges come, as all Christians face them, our eyes are directed away from the situation in front of us, but above. To the Savior who is the resurrected King. The Savior who has power. The Savior who knows exactly the trial you're going through. And as we go through that season, as we go through that challenge, Our Savior is the one refining us and changing us. And it should stir our hearts in time to result in praise and glory. And so this is the language that's going on here. Friends, what this means is that when we face pain, when we face trial and suffering, in that moment, as we go through those tears, as we go through those challenges, is to look to know that on the third day that He is risen. And because he is risen, because he's conquered sin and death, because he's conquered it all. And not only that, Jesus understands when you go through the trials and challenges. He's been through it himself, but he has conquered it. Take courage, brothers and sisters. Take courage. Because your Savior is in charge. Your Savior is in control. This past week, I read an article 
talking about some Wycliffe translators uh, in a country that's in the Middle East. And the story went like this. Militants killed four national translators and injured several others in a raid on a translation office in the Middle East. They shot and destroyed all the equipment in the office, including the print-on-demand equipment. The invaders burned all the books and other translation materials in the office. Two workers died of gunshot wounds. Two other workers laid on top of the lead translator and saved his life and died deflecting bludgeoning blows from the radicals' spent weapons. As I read that, tears are in my heart and I think about this passage. And I need to ask the question, what would drive them to be willing to do that, to go to that length? Now, I'm not, for, I'm not 100% sure because I've not talked to them, but I do know, I wonder, because they're followers of Jesus, because they have a wonderful truth and glory of a res- resurrected Savior, that it shaped everything about their life. That yes, their mortal bodies painfully sacrificed themselves so someone else could live. They went to a fiery trial that came directly at them. But what held them was this reality they have hope. That their life is not restricted to what is in front of them. That they're willing to sacrifice their own life so someone else can live. Just as our Savior has done for you and me. But not only that, they have hope that they are going to be resurrected. They are before their Savior right now as martyrs for the faith. Friends, the resurrection life affects everyone and everything. Even this week, um, I was thinking about this. And you know, when we read something like that, it goes, oh, that sounds pretty full and fully intense. I don't know if I could live like that. But wherever God has placed you, if you believe in the resurrection, when challenges come, people are watching you. But when you have a perspective that's eternal, the reality is that what you do now is all for God's glory. One of my favorite NBA players who's broken almost every other record that you can imagine by the guy called Stephen Curry. He was quoted this week saying, The man who died for our sins on the cross, I know I have a place in heaven, waiting for me because of him. And that's something no earthly prize or trophy could ever top. He's a man who is on this pinnacle of all MPA sports. And his perspective is so eternal that, yep, he's achieving these things, but he's looking to the life beyond. Friends, the resurrection should affect how we live. See, if we have our hope in our risen Savior, no matter what trial comes before us, By God's grace and power, we can go into it because we know that there is hope for the life after. See, because of the resurrection, whatever trial and pain we are in right now, can I call to you to take courage because Jesus is risen, because Jesus is Lord, because Jesus reigns. And you will find joy, whether if that means in this momentary joy that you will have now as the Lord ministers to you through his word, through his spirit, or whether that is the joy that is to come when you stand before our King who reigns forever. And in light of this, the section finishes off saying, Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith 
the salvation of your souls. Friends, for those of us who know this, we, I'm guessing most of us have not actually physically seen Jesus. If you have, come and talk to me. I'd love to have a conversation with you. But because we have such confidence, even the author of this letter, Peter, is writing it and saying, hey, we have confidence he is risen. Even though you haven't seen him, he is risen. And in light of that, friends, we are called to love him. Just as he's calling these group of people to love Jesus, to rejoice with great joy and obtain the truth that he is risen. He is Lord. He has brought hope. And there is no other like him. Because out of no other can you receive salvation. He says, you have salvation in the verses there. And that is what's on offer for you if you do not know Jesus. Our prayer at church is that you will attain this truth. But for those of us who know Jesus, this morning, I want to leave these thoughts with you. As you live your everyday life, does the reality of a risen Savior bring hope in all that you do? Is your Savior risen or is He still on that cross? Is your Savior risen or is He still on that cross? As you reflect on the resurrection, because of the the resurrection, what is your hope in today? Is it the things of this world or the things that is to come? Maybe this morning as we sing the last song, refocus to the one who is risen. Maybe you are right in the midst of the fiery trial that this passage talks about. Right now, whatever that might be, take hope. Because Jesus is risen. He's conquered sin and death. And he will bring you comfort as you look to him. Because these things will pass, but he is risen. Friends, the resurrection of Jesus Christ should shape everything about us. It shapes everything about our faith. Not only that, if we believe in the resurrection, if we believe this is true, it should stir our hearts with great confidence. Like Luke mentioned this morning, this is what sets the Christian faith apart from any other faith. To be witnesses wherever God has placed us. That we don't talk about some saviour that sort of existed. No, he existed, he was raised physically from the dead. And that means we can bear witness of this truth to a world that is dying and crying out for hope. We have this message of hope. And that same power, that same spirit that raised Jesus on the third day, guess where he resides? For those of us who know Jesus, he resides in you, in me. And he sends you out to proclaim this truth. Christ is risen. He's risen indeed. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this truth. We thank you that according to the Father's great mercy, you've caused us to be born again to a living hope. Father, we pray that as a church we will proclaim this to our last breath. Jesus, we pray that we will remember the resurrection, not just on Easter Sunday, but every day of our lives. For your glory, in Jesus' name. Amen.